I'm Al Filreis, and this is Poem Talk at the Writer's House, where I have the pleasure of convening three friends in the world of contemporary poetry and poetics to collaborate on a close but not too close reading of a poem. We'll talk, maybe even disagree a bit, and perhaps open up the verse to a few new possibilities, and we hope gain for a poem that interests us some new readers and listeners. And I say listeners because Poem Talk poems are available in recordings made by the poets themselves as part of our Penn Sound Archive, writing.upenn.edu slash pensound. Today, I'm joined here in Philadelphia at the Kelly Writers House in our Wexler studio by Kristen Prevalet, poet, editor, teacher, integral health coach, and alternative therapy practitioner, author of Five books of poetry, numerous chapbooks, three volumes about the connections between language, mind-body healing, and the unconscious mind, whose blog is transpoetics.com, who has edited an amazingly useful and wild book, A Helen Adam Reader, and whose work in recent years has revolved around the communities of Naropa, the Poetry Project, Bard College and Bard College's Prison Initiative, and who joined me a few years back on Pump Talk for a memorable discussion of Robin Blazer, a bird in the house. That was great. And by Simone White, whose books include Dolly, House Envy of All the World, Unrest, Of Being Dispersed, published by Future Poem, and Dear Angel of Death, which was published by Ugly Duckling Press in the spring of 2018, winner of the Whiting Award for Poetry, my colleague, I'm delighted to say, here at the University of Pennsylvania, and a co-conversant on Poem Talk, co-conversant uh, for several episodes of Poem Talk and is herself the subject of episode 103 in which Eileen Miles, Rachel Zoff, Erica Kaufman, and I talked about two poems from Of Being Dispersed and by May May Bersenbrugge, the Beijing-born, New England-raised, New Mexico, Maine, Alaska, landscape-influenced poet, author of Heatbird, Empathy, Sphericity, and a Chronology with Kiki Smith, Four-Year-Old Girl, Nest, I Love Artists, Selected Poems of 2006, and Hello, The Roses, 2013. And we hear a new emergent volume of Stars Poems, A Treatise on Stars, New Directions, February 2020, May May? Yes. Which we all excitedly await, winner of many fellowships and artists who on this very day here in Philadelphia is ending a visit to us as a Kelly Writers House Fellow, and who, in the poem I Love Artists, wisely advises the following, a chance occurrence is remarkable when it appears to happen by design. Thank you, May May, for hanging around the last couple of days. It's been so much fun. I'm happy to think about Barbara today. Yeah, it's exciting. Kristen, how are you? I'm good. Thanks equally. for making the trip. Happy. Yeah, and yeah. Simone? I'm good. Hey. I love it here. You walk down the lane <laughs> to did. get the walk. Slowly, slowly. You walk the walk to get here. Well, today we four have gathered here to talk about a poem by Barbara Guest. The poem is called The Blue Stairs, and it was the title poem in the book, The Blue Stairs, published in 1968. It can be found on pages 61 to 63 of The Great Collected Poems, edited by Hadley Hayden Guest, published by Wesleyan in 2008, 50 years after the poem. Penn Sound's Barbara Guest page is, if I may say, a thing of beauty. More than a dozen readings across decades, each organized into poem-by-poem segments. That page includes three different performances of our poem by Guest. 
the first at the Library of Congress in June of 1969, just months after the poem first appeared, the second a studio recording done in 1984, the third in 1996. And we'll listen to the earliest recording of 1969. So here now is Barbara Guest reading The Blue Stairs. This poem is called The Blue Stairs. There is no fear in taking the first step or the second or the third, having a position between several popes. In fact, the top can be reached without disaster. Precocious, the code consists in noticing the particular shade of the staircase, occasionally giving way to the emotions. It has been chosen discriminately to graduate the dimensions, ease them into sight. Republic of space, radiant deepness a thumb passed over it, disarming as one who executes robbers, waving the gnats and the small giants aside, balancing how to surprise a community by excellence. Somehow it occurred, living a public life. The original design was completed. No one complained. In a few years it was forgotten, floating. It was framed like any other work of art, not too ignobly, kicking the ladder away. Now I shall tell you why it is beautiful. Design extraordinary. Color, cobalt blue. Secret platforms. Heels twisted into shape. It has a fantastic area made for a tread that will ascend, being humble that is productive. Its purpose is to take you upward on an elevator of human fingerprints of the most delicate fixity. Being practical and knowing its denominator to push one foot ahead of the other, being a composite which sneers at marble, all orthodox movements, it has discovered in the creak of a footstep the humility of sound, spatially selective, using this counterfeit of height to substantiate a method of progress. Reading stairs as interpolation in the problem of gradualness with a heavy and pure logic. The master builder acknowledges this, as do the artists in their dormer rooms, eternal banishment, who are usually grateful to anyone who prevents them from taking a false step and having reached the summit would like to stay there even if the stairs are withdrawn. The obvious place to start is to talk about the blue stairs. Before we get there, there's a turn in the poem where she says, now I shall tell you why it is beautiful. And then a stanza break, and the next line is design colon and then color colon. So it's not a change in tone or diction, really. But when I got there, Kristen, now I shall tell you, it, it signaled to me uh, this is a certain kind of discourse. What what does that turn say to you? Um, it says to me that guest um, moves from perhaps the particular, being uh, sort of in the realm of these blue stairs at the Museum of Modern Art in Amsterdam. Um, but then the, as the poem moves on, it doesn't stay fixed in any way to those blue stairs. Those blue stairs become, um, they, you know, morph and they change into an idea, as often happens in guests, um, 
poetry. Her for her, the imagination was so key, and the imagination is this very open and fluid um, entity, a field of possibility into which ideas um, come in and out. And I feel like now I shall tell you why it is beautiful is is not so much trying to fix those stairs into something that's beautiful, but rather enlarging them even more. Yeah. Wonderful. Simone, how did that turn strike you? It's It strikes me as, as a, a little art critical. Suddenly she's sort of telling you some things, which is different from the strategy of the first part of the poem. Right. I mean, shifting into a discursive aesthetics, right? I I... The thing about that line and the line before it, which is kicking the ladder away, is that I registered as I was reading the poem early, early this morning, there was no one in the dark, it was quiet, is there's a kind of nothingness that occurs in the lines prior to that, the first, the maybe eight to ten lines prior to it, where somehow is a key turning word, um, no one complaining, forgetting, floating, kicking the ladder away. There's a kind of removal of um, heaviness or entity in the in those lines, and so suddenly, you know, the idea is to reinvigorate the poem, right? At, at that turn, um, with a kind of substance. But the thing is, like, all I was in teaching this week, I was reading about um, the fact of nothingness being the subject of so many poems of the period, and so I started to think about. Um, whether the poem was going to tell something about believing in that space of nothingness that she creates in the in the preceding lines. Mm. Maybe the I guess we should talk about the tone and the spirit of the thing. What's your general impression of the of Barbara Guest's tone here? It's remarkably not her reading, but the tone of the poem seems remarkably uh, consistent with her tone later in life. But um, do you know Parachutes, my love? I think that she um, she, need, she needs to be free. Well, I'm going to answer the n- beautiful thing because she um, uses the stairs as an armature and then she wants to make, um, then she goes into uh, what, Kristen says the imagination which is really her realm and um, the blue stairs is I don't think it's a particularly significant uh, stairway and um, but Barbara like I think I found that she she prefers a secondary experience because she has more uh, freedom in that um, and then she can move into the extraordinary realm of uh, of beauty uh, of her imagination and um, I couldn't help but keep thinking of the shadow stairway the the library stairway of Michelangelo and I kept thinking about that and I knew it wasn't that stairway but Barbara would never pick a masterpiece like that to write about yeah. It gives her more room. She needed the freedom for the air to be clear for her. Kristen referred earlier to a particular blue stairs in a particular museum. Do you want to fill that out a little bit? Well, just having had the opportunity to um, 
do a since I was a little early, do a little bit of, of background research. It, it appeared to have been in the, in the, how do you say that museum of art in it's the state? State Lake, yeah, museum in Amsterdam. Interestingly enough, that museum has been now, looks like it's been completely renovated. And I couldn't, and now there is an escalator <laughs> with one of those, you know how they're, those kind of blue domes I found with a blue the escalator on the web too. Yeah, yeah, but it's all like kind of an escalator surrounded by like lights, the way that airport escalators often are. I'm somehow thinking that wasn't the staircase that, anyway. Um, I found that it was interesting because when I initially read this poem or experienced this poem, I thought that the blue stairs was a, more of a, a nebulous sort of thing, not existing in time, existing in the architecture of poetry, the which Guest was really believed in, that poetry has its own architecture and that finding that through the imagination is how the poems get written and you don't know what is going to appear out of that space. Um, so I was really interested. Oh my gosh, these stairs actually existed. And I now then I wanted to see them in my mind, but then I realized I don't really need to see them in my mind because this poem does... They're give, not important. They're, they're not, not really important. important. <laughs> so I, you know, it's like finding no, them is, and then leaving them behind again. <laughs> yeah, no, what you say, it, it, it works with Maymay's point that these are second, it's a secondary piece of art, but it's definitely a piece of art. And we're, what we're supposed to do, especially at the beginning, Simone, is like deal with her assertion that there is no fear in going up, in rising, in ascending. Of course, when someone says there is no fear, all you can think of is, wait a minute, do we have a reason of, to be afraid? Right? <laughs> can you can you deal with that? Because we also have the second, third stanza, in fact, the top can be reached without disaster. <laughs> what is she signaling to us about this ascent, this well, progress, this rising? I am obsessed, first of all, with the word ascent, but that's um, a different thing. I'm also, I can't get what Mimi just said out of my mind, that you, that the stairs are not important, and so I was trying to figure out um, what words might be important in the poem. And so the matter of fear um, coming into the sort of atmosphere of hopes and disaster and codes um, seems to me something to try and figure out, like how to piece together the stairwell or um, actual scaffolding that the poem looks like on the page, how those things build up into some kind of ascent or descent, depending on how you're looking at the words. It's a stair-like poem as presented on the page. You're actually two columns, Mm -hmm. in which one can read a few lines and then take a step down to the next column on the right side. But um, I also the the resonance with Elizabeth Bishop's uh, disaster stood out to me here, and I was sort of wondering if a conversation was taking place between. Barbara Guest and Elizabeth Bishop in that moment. Um, But again, this all has to do with my question about what words should we look at Mm. most closely, Mm. Um, partly because of of this vagueness. There is no fear in taking the first step or or the second or the third. Where are we in that Space. And why, what about the fourth? What about the fourth? What happens after well, those initial steps? Well, we're with the popes after those initial steps. So we actually are in a very highly specific place between two popes after this initial opening of extreme indeterminacy. That's what I was thinking. She gets Michelangelo in there somehow. Mm. Yeah, I think that's where my, I, that's what I thought as well. Um, but um, who wants to start? 
about, you know, offering suggestions about the code. You offered one, which was a code to understanding the structure of this particular poem, Stairway. Um, but code in solving the problem of fear and disaster after the fourth step, the solution, code as in a solution, what else? The con code consists in noticing. I'm seeing this, the, her using this idea of the stairs and removing it from the metaphor of the staircase as a connection between the earth and the sky, the material and the spiritual. That's a patriarchal staircase, right? That it connects, it ascends, it Progress descends. Progress going up. It's linear. It has, you know, and, and, and it has a very clear purpose. So when she says, there's no fear to be on this staircase, the staircase that Barbara Guest is on. You can be scared to be on the patriarchal staircase because that's really actually quite scary because you've got holy wars, you've got popes, you know, who are uh, assuming all sorts of patriarchal authority. But this staircase is different. There's no code. There's no, like, Bible. There's no DNA double helix thing to be figured out. There's no God whatever to be figured out in the ascent or descent of these, this staircase. This is just a particular shade of cobalt blue. And you can be here in the larger field, right. even if there are no stairs. Yeah. You can still be here. A different it's kind of progress. Really beautiful. Right? On the last, in the last set of stanzas, spatially selective using this counterfeit of height to substantiate a method of progress and then reading stairs as interpolation in the problem of gradualness. I take it that that's right. what you were talking about. That's what about. I mean. Yeah, the problem, the interpret, interpolation into, the, into radiance, into, into uh, gradation, into color, into the field, the larger field of, you know, the kind of um, the empty space of the, of the Higgs boson, you know, particle, right? Like, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. <laughs> I think she identified with being a modernist or modernism. And so I totally agree with everything that's just been said and about. But also I don't think disaster was like a large thing in her, um, in her value system. So she could use it in the same, uh, the same register as talking about smaller things. The original design was completed. No one complained. In a few years it was forgotten, floating. It was framed like any other work of art, not too ignobly, kicking the ladder away. Now I shall tell you why it is beautiful. Design extraordinary. Color, cobalt blue. Secret platforms. Heels twisted into shape. It has a fantastic area made for a tread that will ascend, being humble that is productive. Its purpose is to take you upward on an elevator of human fingerprints of the most delicate fixity. So there's several times the Simone the ladder is kicked away. At the end, they're withdrawn. So if you're, if you're ascending the stairs that Kristen described, and in fact, it's not meant to create progress toward heaven or saintliness or whatever. And then the stairs are kicked away. Where are you? You're in space, the Republic of Space. Yeah. Right. Um, and what is that? 
I'm really curious about what it is. It's um, Imag- imagination, imagination, again. but yeah. also emotions, also um, giving way to the emotions. I, the relationship somehow between emotions and space seems to me actually to be what the poem is working through. Um, also, this problem of um, positionality in general, like how one floats through space. What does it mean to be in one place or another? And how a staircase is a kind of representational field for thinking about uh, movement in space. Um, and how, I don't, there's something also like the occasional violence of the poem where the, where the thumb comes and um, a radiant deepness, a thumb passed over it. That, I experienced that as a kind of like pushing in an otherwise very gentle poem or rubbing out like the kicking away of the ladder. Um, yeah, I, and the robbers that come in to it, yeah. this in particular, this like incredibly um, thorny, I think, passage about about the Republic of Space is one of the things that I'm most curious about in this poem. There yeah, is... Executing robbers. Mm-hmm. Is, it, it's it's true. If, if if disasters are not part of her vocabulary, there is a violence. <laughs> there definitely is a violence. I'm not there. saying it's part not part of her vocabulary, but she wouldn't. Um, uh, Make it in an exaggerated position because mm-hmm. that's not, it's just not cool. Yeah. Can, it does can we seem talk a bit about how, there. how, I mean, how the poem kind of moves words around to show the position or relative importance of words? Because I think this is something uh. that you're kind of developing in what you're saying, Mimi, which is really interesting how um, the poem should demonstrate its own sort of internal values. I um the only thing I can respond is that um do you know the the great poet Anna Marie Albiac, um French poet and um uh, Barbara would always say she has such an amazing vocabulary, her vocabulary is so great. And then my response to this is that um Barbara um uses um she you know, she invents or establishes vocabulary by the placement mm-hmm. of simple words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And certainly um, in the passage just before now, I shall tell you, floating gets put out to the side there. Mm-hmm. That's right. And mm-hmm. kicking the ladder away gets put out there. And that's right, too. You know, the word ascent, which is not necessarily here. It's sort of a subtext. You know, that's that's a William Carlos Williams word, and he would use the triadic line to create three columns to create a sense of ascent. Well, this is a dyadic line, I guess, mm. with ascent in the background. But she also doesn't want to go too far with that, which is I think why now I shall tell you is a slightly is a slight course correction, maybe even tiny bit ironic as a discourse mm-hmm. move. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yes. it takes a higher position. Mm-hmm. It's a lecture, yeah. and we yeah. just kick the ladder away. Yeah. There's there's the danger here. What about there's a there's a there's a passage here where we're talking about a particular work of art, and I think all of us in the room realize that when Maymay said this is the actual referent is a minor thing, it becomes more of a free floating, as it were, statement. The original design was completed for these stairs. No one complained. In a few years, it was forgotten, (laughs) floating. And then it was framed, which makes you think maybe it's a painting of blue stairs, like any other work of art. But maybe it's just a structural stairs. Maybe they don't even... And Kristen 
did the web work and maybe they took it away. Maybe it's not even in the museum anymore. Anyway, what do you make of that passage about this presumably particular work, which we know is not a particular work? Well, I, um, a guest has, has this beautiful understanding of poetry that it extends vertically as well as horizontally. It's never motionless with a linear structure. So nothing, nothing is ever is ever fixed. So, so this idea of of these stairs, then kind of collapsing into a frame. The frame then um, is the problem of gradualness because then suddenly it gets fixed in time and then it's forgotten because that's what happens to things when they get fixed. They're forgotten. They're stuck. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, there's a, a kind of supreme irony in that, in, in the way that she's writing that. There's, it, there's a humor there to her seeing these stairs kind of come into some, or whatever this work of art is, be framed. And now it's eternally banished. Um, just this idea that the that the poem has to constantly it's neither vertical nor horizontal it's both at the same time and never never stuck never fixed on an image never trying to define a specific time and space mm. reading stairs <laughs> so that's sort of a cousin to the moment where we get an art histor art art critical lecture i mean She's reading stairs, but actually we're reading her reading stairs, something very meta-interpretive at that moment. And then there's a reference to a master builder. So how spiritual is this thing? Is master builder the artist? The master builder acknowledges this as do the artists, so it's not the artist. Is this the godliness to which toward which the stairs ascend? What, do you take Mar Barbara Guest to be a spiritual poet, maybe? Yes, I think so. Um, but I, I think... Uh, I think she was raised in, in Christianity, and, uh, but I think this is a slant reference um, and that you can take this poem and many of her poems, maybe all of her poems, as a kind of poetics... Mm -hmm. But it reminds me of the um, her great poem about the tale of Genji, and that's also about a a space. It's just the space. I I knew that apartment. It was just in the back window. There was a parking lot um, between her apartment house and um, a children's hospital, and she, and then there were some vape mercury lights in the parking lot, and she used that. Uh, parking lot space to create this amazing uh, journey th with the tale of Genji, and um, so it's a, it's a similar. Probably it's a forty years later, um, but it's another poetics. She, I think she introduces screens instead of the ascent. The code consists in noticing what, noticing the particular shade of the staircase. So this is about darkness, the absence of light. What is and occasionally giving way to the to the emotions. What do you make of I'm still I'm stuck on this noticing. 
I would say she does tries really hard not to give way to the emotions. Mm. It's not part of her um, aesthetic. So the word mm, occasionally right. is a bit of an understatement. It's more of a wavering. It's more yeah. like, well, we, 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 you know, it's like you're in this realm and you're kind of meandering about and kind of take a dip yeah. in emotions <laughs> and then move out into this a more like larger abstraction and then move back into an image and then take a sidestep. You know, that it's, is her it's a, approach. That it's is always real, her approach. And that's, again, the imagination. That's the poem writing itself through its what she called invisible architecture. There is a spirituality to the idea of an invisible architecture, yes. no doubt about it. Um, that there's That's the idea that there's a poem underneath the poem, that all poems are writing. You know, that's... The radiant There is a spirituality deepness. to that idea, um, and to that idea of language as ha- being part of a part of a code that is beyond the writer. But we're just we're we're kind of unraveling this thing. Now I'm thinking about code as like building code, and and about all the references to building materials here, including marble. And there are lots of codes about mm-hmm. building stairways, right. by the way. Because they hold the building up. They hold right. the building. They're structural, but also they have to go somewhere. You mm-hmm. don't see too many stairs that don't go anywhere mm. or even that kick away. Right. Right. And so it's the reference to the stairs as an object which could then be separated from the problem of the entire structural integrity of the building is really interesting. And insofar as it's allegorical, right, like that what happens when you take the work of art out of its... Uh, its context, but also I'm really I'm curious also about the the nature of the engineering language versus the questions of and space versus the questions of, uh, or maybe it's not an oppositional problem at all that 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 the engineering logic of the poem heavy and pure logic, which is the engineering logic, um, isn't necessarily opposed to something like if we can't if we don't want to say emotions. What can, what can we say about the sort of affect or texture of feeling in the poem? Or in part because I it's hard for me to imagine a poem that does not have an emotional texture, even if that isn't its surface intention. It's a radiance. Mm. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't have emotional, but she, I think that, you know, she was... A, I think she was very committed to modernism and that they wouldn't allow expressionistic emotion. Mm-hmm. But if I had to say, I would say it was a kind of ra- radiance is her emotion that she strived. I think that's a I very could. beautiful way of putting it. I wonder if we can put together two things that have been said. One is this discussion about the code and the shade and the radiance of spirituality. And then the something we said earlier, which is that the patriarchal tradition of stairways leading progressively up, if you make the effort of, of treading step by step, you will get somewhere higher. The rejection of that or the questioning of that, can we put the two things together? Because that suggests a certain non-rational approach to stairs, which is very much not an engineering approach. And maybe we can close read the end of it. Um, we get a master builder who's not the artist, but then the artists, plural, as do the artists, 
in their dormer rooms, whatever that is. In Europe. In Europe. Okay, so this is where they worked in their in their their attic rooms. Eternal banishment, that's put off to the side. Is that the master builder who screwed up or is that the artist? And then these two triadic stanzas who are usually grateful, that would be the poet, the artists presumably, who are usually grateful to anyone who prevents them from taking a false step <laughs> and having reached the heights, ascent, would like to stay there. But then they turn around and the stairs have been <laughs> withdrawn. It's like, I don't know, Hitchcock meets Picasso or something like that. What right. do you think? How do, we do, how do we deal with the end? It's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, well, right. And, and thinking about climbing the ladder of success as an artist and maybe taking, taking a, a, a jab at that. Definitely. Um, the counterfeit the of height. Climbing the ladder of beauty. Climbing the ladder of beauty. Um, and right, and kind of poking fun at those careerists, sort of who just are so grateful to anyone who says, "Oh no, don't don't step there. You gotta you gotta stay in line. Go home over here. You know, keep on painting the same thing over and over again, so that you can, you know, false ascend step. this ladder. Whatever Such an whatever those false metaphor, steps are, right? yeah. Don't make a false step. Um, and even and once they get to the top of this mountain, want to stay there, and then totally forget about the staircase. You know, I mean, it's like the very thing that allowed you to get to where you are um, has now, it, you, you forget about it. I mean, or it, it was transitory. Or it was transitory. I love the eternal banishment of artists in their dormer rooms, that, which seems to be the, the most fun part of the poem, that, <laughs> that ultimately the process of writing the poem, which, you know, might be figured here as eternal ba banishment, is actually... That's the thing that we want, right? We actually want to be banished, not this silly goof at the end who actually doesn't have a clear understanding of their work, right? So I love that eternal banishment is just like a little aside. There, there's, a, there's a bit of a satirical, maybe the wrong word, but a comic allegory of the, of the writer, maybe the poet. You know, the original design was completed. No one complained. You put out a new book. No mm -hmm. one complained. In a few years, it was all forgotten. <laughs> Yeah. Then it was framed. <laughs> well, we could talk about this poem for a long time, especially this amazing strategy of hers. But I thought we'd go around one more time and everybody can offer a, uh, another thought, a final thought, something that you meant to say today. And I know you all had a lot to say about this poem, but didn't get a chance to yet. So who would like to start? What's your, what's your thought you want to add to this? Um, well, my thought is because I um, practice hypnosis, it's just very interesting because the staircase is um, a, a, a way of entering into a trance that allows a person to expand out of uh, the kind of habitual state of thinking about a problem in one particular way and enter into a state of a kind of expanded awareness or larger sense of their consciousness and perspective. And the staircase is the vehicle to get to that place. And so for me, um, that idea of reaching reaching this kind of platform, which ha which is where the metaphor of the staircase in hypnosis goes, and then the stairs, that's exactly what we do. You know, the staircase is gone, and then you just find yourself floating in space, you know, and you're kind of just in this sort of meandering, nebulous space that people describe as, you know, not being scary at all, but having a sense of of lift, 
liftlessness. Um, that's not the right word. Lift, liftlessness. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're saying that so hypnosis when... So I just think that when... I love this idea of, of you know, that that's where I always went with the poem. Now I've thought it through so much more with all of you, and it has a lot more texture, but it's interesting. That's where I had gone with it initially when I very first read it. But kicking away the stair in hypnosis, when you get there, mm-hmm. kicking away the stairs is a positive thing. Yes, positive that, thing. That's kind of, Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how to read Republic, but re- that's kind of a Republic of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, which doesn't require the, the traditional engineering to get to a higher place, but not to need the stairs anymore. Right, because when you thing. kicked away the stairs, you have perspective, you have openness, you have breath. And you have so height. So to me, yeah, you have height. And from the vantage point of height, you can then look at the thing that had been causing you trouble, which usually is a thing that you have fixed in time and space is an actual thing. And that's a huge, that's the big mistake, right? Is trying to fix things in time and space. This really helps me understand the beginning of the poem, you know, that uh, the tentative first steps of fear. <laughs> mm, Don't fear. No, right. no, no. Come on, come on, come up. Yeah. And eventually at the end, you feel the power of height and you can kick away the stairs. Correct. That's and, an interesting reading. And Barbara reading. had a lot of fears. So mm. that's a background. This may be an overcoming fear of stair climbing <laughs> poem. She could have used some transpoetics. She could have used, yeah, a little phobia cure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Simone, follow that. That was a pretty cool final I thought. I don't know. Um, I I love this um, maybe oxymoron of humble productivity that appears about midway through the poem, um, which is like one of the only invocations of a kind of like materialism or like, I don't know, sense of capital or something Mm, in mm, in the poem. mm, mm. Um, And and it's connected again to the idea of ascent or ascending. And I just was thinking about all the possibilities that arise as the opposite of humble productivity, whether those or opposite to humble productivity, which is the poetics of the poem, right? The delicate human fingerprints that make this careful, beautiful, small object. And what is what else is out there that that really seemed like a kind of um an incredible move to capture an outside that I was really impressed mm. with. Ah, terrific. Maymay, your thought? Yeah, I have two thoughts. Um, I'd like to repeat the using this counterfeit of height to substantiate, and it's like embody a method of progress. So um, that I use that to mean to embody the, the poem. Um, but the other thing I'd like to say is um, the cover f- for this book was a drawing by a Helen Frankenthaler, which I, th- I know she treasured, and uh, The Blue Stairs is the title of the book, and then there's this beautiful blue uh, stain drawing of Helen Frankenthaler's, and I think the the resonance, the, you know, the mystery of the resonance between those two is what stays with me when I think of the blue stairs. Mm. I think the going around and just adding thoughts thing has been really good. I want to do it one more round. Okay. I, yeah. um, th- this is not an ekphrastic poem. It's not, uh, it's not a, a poem about, about a painting. About a painting. A sculptor, yeah. Sculpture. Even though it is so 
sidewaysly referential to mm. visual art and color. I think this is really instructive for readers of the poem who would normally think, oh, it's a, it's a poem about some art. I guess we'll have to do that analogy. That's really helpful. Simone? I tried to draw a picture of a kind of like gyre, is that the word? The thing that, um, from my students today, to demonstrate what Charles Bernstein was talking about in, a Su- in his Susan Howe comments in my way, um, how words are vibrating towards uh, each other in poems and sort of characteristic of language poetry. And the anyway, the, the, the dimensions moment in this poem, to graduate the dimensions, ease them into sight, seems to me to call upon that also that sense of gyrating um, as progress rather than doing doing ascent or descent or even a kind of um, sidestepping, which the poem does actually. There is an there is an internal rotation that also is pointed to mm-hmm. here, a multidimensionality that I am very interested in. Mm. Uh, we didn't talk about the uh, stanza, How to Surprise a Community by Excellence. I don't know how to read that. It could be part of the critique, but it could also be a reference to what she's trying to do here. I don't know. But it leads to living a public life. And I would invite invite anybody to comment on that. Is that a reference to what the artist has to do uh, if you're excellent? And what does it have to do with this stair this stairwell that has secret platforms and which we sh- about which we should notice shadows? I don't know. I can't figure that out. Well, can we trace it back to the to the end and these these um these breadcrumbs about actual artists' lives, eternal banishment at the end and the sort mm. of joke at yeah. the end of the poem, um, thinking about um, what it means to make something great. Um, it's, maybe it's pretty simple, right? Like, you know, you make you make a great thing. Also, there's this, like, resonance with black excellence, which is kind of a joke in English these days, <laughs> but not really. There's, like, a, a kind of... Um, truth to the question of um, emergence, right, which is so fraught. And I think that's here. Yeah, it is. And that puts a new spin on reading stairs as interpolation in the problem of gradualness, right? How does one improve? How does one become excellent? Certainly, she's dubious of the standard way of approaching that problem. That's really interesting. Well, we like to end Poem Talk with a minute or two of Gathering Paradise, which is a chance for several of us or all of us to spread wide our narrow hands to gather a little something really good, something to hail or commend that's going on in the world of poetry or art. Kristen, do you have any paradise you'd like to gather? Oh, wow. Um, Well, I... Went to go and see Josh Ritter in concert. Oh, Josh Ritter. And I was really, really genuinely impressed. Um, felt like it was like watching early early Springsteen. Total core in the ballad tradition, very rooted in um, the old the old ballads. And I just thought it was like 
really good show. Fantastic. So. Josh Ritter. Yeah. Good. Simone gathers some paradise. Um, I guess I just want to shout out Lauren Boxt, who is a dance instructor here at University of the Arts, with whom I had the pleasure of working recently, whose thinking about dance pedagogy was really um, a wonderful surprise to me. She um, uh, curates, uh, along with other dance faculty at University of the Arts, a program called Knowing Dance More, and it was it was one of the funnest things I've done in a very long time. Um, so shout out to Lauren. Fantastic. Thank you. May May, um, gather some paradise. <laughs> well, I can, I, can, um, I can do paradise without leaving the room because um, Barbara's uh, novel, Seeking Air, it takes the um, protagonist, uh, the great protagonist, uh, her her bi- biography of H.D., her yes, self-defined, a beautiful, a great biography, I think, and her book of poems, Fair Realism. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I have two little shout-outs to Paradise. Um, I've spent some time on transpoetics.com, seeing what you're up to, Kristen, and I recommend people go there. Um, you update it fairly regularly, and there's a lot of cool things. There. Can you tell us what you're what you're doing soon or next or what's happening? Um, I am returning to poetry after a bit of a sojourn from it into um, realms of prose and performance. So that kind of meandering journey of life has led me led me back to poetry. Fantastic. Transpoetics.com and. Host's privilege, I'll add another little paradisal thing. Um, I've been reading a lot of May May's poetry and thinking about Barbara Guest, and I found something that May May wrote in a poem called Safety that was so Guestian that I'll just read it. Being with each other, we want to reveal and reveal, conceal nothing. But there's the sense something does not get across a secret. Well, that's all the kicking the ladder away we have time for on Poem Talk today. Poem Talk at the Writer's House is a collaboration of the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing and the Kelly Writer's House at the University of Pennsylvania and the Poetry Foundation, poetryfoundation.org. Thanks so much to my guests, Simone White, Kristen Prevelet, and Maymay Bersenberger, and to Poem Talk's directors and engineers today, Zach Cardner and Adelaide Powell. And to Poem Talk's editor, the same amazing Zach Cardner. And a shout out to Nathan and Elizabeth Light for their very generous support of Poem Talk. In our next episode, Danny Snelson, Tracy Morris, and Marjorie Perloff will be here to talk with me about a very early poem by Charles Bernstein. It's called, As If the Trees by Their Roots Had Hold of Us. This is Al Filreis, and I hope you'll join us for that or another Poem Talk.